Soham Vashavayashyami Soham Vashavayashyami Thaditam Prithamati Could understand. Could understand. Tatra. Tatra. 
in that meeting. Navishtaha being perfectly attentive. Tat-anugrahad by His mercy. Saha that very thing. Aham I Vaha unto you. Shravishyami shall let you hear. Yatadittam yatadamati as far as my realization. This is Sutta Goswami addressing the sages gathered at Diamond Sharanya Forest. O learned Brahmanas, when Shukadeva Goswami recited Bhagavatam there in the presence of Emperor Parikshit, I heard him with rapt attention, and thus, by his mercy, I learned the Bhagavatam from that great and powerful sage. Now, I shall try to make you hear the very same thing as I learned it from him and as I have realized it. Srila Prabhupada's purport. One can certainly see directly the presence of Lord Sri Krishna in the pages of Bhagavatam if one has heard it from a self-realized great soul like Shukadeva Goswami. One cannot, however, learn Bhagavatam from a bogus hired reciter whose aim of life is to earn some money out of such recitation and employ the earning in sex indulgence. No one can learn Srimad Bhagavatam who is associated with persons engaged in sex life. That is the secret of learning Bhagavatam. Nor can one learn Bhagavatam from one who interprets the text by his mundane scholarship. One has to learn Bhagavatam from the representative of Shukadeva Goswami and no one else. If one wants, if one at all wants to see Lord Sri Krishna in pages, that is the process, and there is no alternative. Sutta Goswami is a bona fide representative of Shukadeva Goswami because he wants to present the message which he received from the great learned Brahmana Sutta Shukadeva Goswami, excuse me, which he received from the learned, great learned Brahmana. Shukadeva Goswami presented Bhagavatam as he heard it from his great father, and so all Sutta Goswami, and so also Sutta Goswami is presenting Bhagavatam as he had heard it from Shukadeva Goswami. Simple hearing is not all. One must realize the text with proper attention. The word Navishta means that Sutta Goswami drank 
the juice of Bhagavatam through his ears. That is the real process of receiving Bhagavatam. One should hear with rapt attention from the real person and then he can at once realize the presence of Lord Krishna in every page. The secret of knowing Bhagavatam is mentioned here. No one can give rapt attention who is not pure in mind. No one can be pure in mind who is not pure in action. No one can be pure in action who is not pure in eating, sleeping, fearing, and mating. But somehow or other, if someone hears with rapt attention from the right person, at the very beginning one can assuredly see Lord Sri Krishna in person in the pages of Bhagavatam. Namaste, Sarasate, Deve, Goga, Bari Pacharane, Divishe, Shashun, Yabari Paschachade, Sitane. O Mangyanam Timuram, the Shaganan, Shalakaya, Chaksuru, Vidhitam, Jainam, Tasma, Sri, Kuru, Namaha, Panchakalpa, Trubis, Chakrapasi, Stipasindu, Vieva, Chapatikanam, Avanavio, Vaishnava, Tatra Kirtayato Vipra Viprashir Bhurite Jasaha Ahamcha Jagamam Tatra Nishtas Tadanugrahat Sokhamba Shadavishyami Yatadittam Yatamati O learned Brahmanas When Shukadeva Goswami recited Bhagavatam there in the presence of Emperor Prakshita I heard him with rapt attention and thus by his mercy I learned the Bhagavatam from that great and powerful sage. Now I shall try to make you hear the very same thing as I learned it from him and as I have realized it. So this verse gives us directions for understanding and presenting or representing, representing, presenting all over again, Srimad Bhagavatam. This is uh, a hermeneutical key. Hermeneutics is the uh, science of understanding spiritual writings, science of meaning in general. And so Prabhupada tells how one can actually understand Bhagavatam properly. This also explains why this is esoteric knowledge, because one has to be qualified in a certain way. One interesting thing about this text, you should notice, we're talking about uh, the first two recitations of Bhagavatam, uh, first, when uh, Shukadeva spoke it to uh, uh, Maharaj Prikshit, and then uh, it's described in the, in, in the next, uh, next verse, actually, how uh, the sages at Manishwani were very happy to hear that Sukha uh, had heard it himself and now is going to repeat it for the second time. 
So the tr- this is the transmission of Bhagavatam from the first to the second time. So Prabhupada is transmitting Bhagavatam. This verse was uh, first came to us in the form of the three books that he had written and had printed and published in India and brought with them in trunks. And you notice that here we're talking about a recitation where one speaks and hears, but notice when Prabhupada's purport, he says, first line, one can certainly see directly the presence of Lord Krishna in the pages of Bhagavatam. Notice now we're on pages. And throughout this purport, we see again and again uh, in the pages. If one wants twice, it's repeated three times repeated the presence of Krishna in the pages of Bhagavatam uh, 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 four times the presence of Krishna in the pages of Bhagavatam is mentioned in this purport so we've changed from a spoken to a written medium because Prabhupada is thinking of the readers of his book and how one has to be a reader or a hearer. Same thing. He sometimes switches back and forth between hearing and reading. Same thing. So here he's written these books in India, thinking in English, meaning to send them abroad or to go abroad with it, as it turned out. And uh, so how are they going to receive this message? So this is a special book. And is he what he's saying for there to be transmission of this book? Uh, there has to be first the writer or speaker has to be bona fide, and those who receive it have to be bona fide. And now you can see is where are the hearers? Where are the qualified people? That's why there had to be an international society for Krishna consciousness because Prabhupada also had to create the hearers. Because he says here, uh, 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 but first of all, notice what happens when one properly hears Bhagavatam from the right person. One sees directly the presence of Krishna in the pages of Bhagavatam. In other words, we, for example, we know that Krishna and Krishna's name are the same. That when we say Hare Krishna, Krishna is there. Well, how can I see Krishna directly when I say Hare Krishna when I chant purely? The same holds for Bhagavatam. We have the name Krishna, it's very short. Two syllables, right? Uh, do we have longer names of Krishna? You can, you know. Jamuna Tiravanachari, that's a name of Krishna. Somebody could be called Jamuna Tiravanachari Das. Somebody were a little. <laughs> anyway. Because it's a name for Krishna. He who is accustomed to wandering in the forest on the bank of the Jamuna River. That's his name. Right? So everything that he does is a name. So Bhagavatam is one big name of Krishna. 
the most, one of the most comprehensive names of Krishna includes everything. It includes Krishna in his trans relation with his internal potencies and very much in the Bhagavatam with his external potencies. And that's there also. Uh, fully Krishna in all different aspects and all different features. That's the Bhagavatam his name, and one can see Krishna directly as he is in the pages. Well, first of all, the speaker has to be bona fide, or the writer has to be bona fide, and that turns out to be the speaker is one who has been a bona fide hearer. Because how is uh, Sutta a bona fide speaker because he heard from the bona fide person who heard from the bona fide person uh, uh, so from Bhattanarayana to uh, Shukadeva to Sutta they're all bona fide and so first of all he's saying notice how he talks about the bogus hired reciters he's talking here about the the professional reciters. When Prabhupada says professional in, in America, somebody's professional means he's very good. Here for Prabhupada it means he's very bad. <laughs> One who does it just for the money. Not for love, not for joy, just for money. That's professional. Uh, uh, and so these are there, the, the reciters of Bhagavatam. I've heard them, actually I sat through one such recital, I, anyway, I'll tell you the details about how that came about, but the guy was good, you know, he was a good dramatic speaker, the audience, this was in a suburb of Detroit, and all Gujaratis were in tears, as he was speaking, I couldn't hear a thing, but I, anyway, I had to sit there, but, but it was all in, in, in Gujarati, uh, but, you know, good. Talented actors, uh, and uh, so. That, but still, uh, the audience was uh, uh, was not bona fide. I knew some of the audience. Uh, one has to be, and he uses this thing about the speaker uh, as someone who is engaged in sex life. That is to say not following the regulative principles. And he uses the word secret a couple of times, the secret of knowing Bhagavatam. Uh, uh, secret means esoteric. Uh, uh, so there is this secret. Uh, so, first of all, the speaker cannot be somebody who just does it as a kind of dramatic performance and themselves do not follow any particular principles of purity. Uh, as he says later, uh, what those, those are. Uh, and the hearers, similar, have to be the same way. And then you can see Krishna in the pages. Uh, and then he says, simple hearing is not all one must realize the, te the text with proper attention. 
to have this heightened attention or heightened awareness. That is to say, the consciousness has to be pure. The intelligence, the, the, that which directs our attention is buddhi. Uh, sometimes in Bhagavad Gita, uh, Krishna consciousness is called buddhi yoga, quite a, quite a bit. Buddhi yoga, the art of focusing the attention and intensifying the attention. The dhami buddhi yoga tam. Krishna says, I give them the buddhi yoga. This is uh, part of the cultivation, of the, the culture of Krishna consciousness is this development of the, the ability to fix the attention properly and to have clarity of mind. This is not taught in schools today. Uh, it used to be a standard part of all education. In fact, universities started everybody who attended and taught was a monk. That was the origin <laughs> of universities. Then next lawyers came along and they, you know, everything went to hell. But, <laughs> but that was the original. You know. Academic gowns are monks' robes. Originally. Something has happened. Down, 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 down. Uh, because this was this was the, the standard of learning that that everybody was celibate. Uh, so Prabhupada says here one has to realize the text with proper attention. Uh, and so how do we give rapt attention? He says one has to be pure in mind. How do we come pure in mind? We have to be pure in action. How are we pure in action? Eating, sleeping, fearing, and mating. And even the basic biologically necessary activities of life, eating, sleeping, mating, and defending, all have to be done in a pure way. So you can't get around it. Then you can hear properly. If you hear properly from the right person, who is one who has heard properly from the right person, then you can see Krishna in the pages of Bhagavatam. Revelation. This is how to understand Bhagavatam. This is the, the way. So that's why it's esoteric knowledge. If it's a secret, it's an open secret. You tell everybody, but then you say, no, if you really want to learn Bhagavatam, this is what you have to do. Now, one interesting thing, like if you go to a university, they have very learned people, very advanced, smart, good memories, uh, able to do quick calculations, uh, follow things out. Uh, have what in ordinary life would be called an obsessive-compulsive dis disorder to learn something and fo follow it through. I mean, I've studied with these people. They are very, very talented in their way. But with no, no, nowhere is it ever that a requirement to become 
say a nuclear physicist or whatever, is that you have to be pure eating, sleeping, eating, and defending. You can be a perfect shit, excuse me. You can be the worst person in the world. You can be horrible to everybody. Your behavior can be terrible. And you can be a brilliant Nobel Prize winning scientist. Those two things are separate from each other. I mean, normally you have to at least spend some time. You know, if you're too far gone, you can't do it because you have to have some time uh, where you're really willing to spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours over the lab equipment while other people are out drinking and partying, that some control is there. But then, otherwise, it doesn't matter. Uh, so, uh, so, so, this is why people don't, under, don't, get, don't grasp this idea of spiritual knowledge. Because they think there's a separation between knowledge and morality. These are moral rules, that's nice for behavior, but really, you know, for knowledge, doesn't matter. Now here, the requirement for knowledge is what people would consider morality. It's not a separate category, and that's why spiritual knowledge has vanished. People think, oh yeah, well there's these old stories way back when. Uh, but nobody has, could we talk about having direct perception? Of I mean, even Brahman, or, or even Atma, or Paramatma, kind of low level stuff. Why, way beyond people. Way, way beyond, that, all that's a matter of faith. Way beyond people's range. We have no experience of these things. They're unknowable. Oh, unknowable to you. Because here is the process of knowledge. If you want to know these things, this is what you have to do. And of course, here we're talking about Bhagavatam, which is, as Prabhupada described, the postgraduate scripture. Not only do we know about Brahman, we know about Paramatma, and we know about Bhagavan. We know about Paramatma in three features. Garbhodakshayi, Vishnu, Shirodakshayi, Vishnu, Haranakhanshayi, Vishnu. We know all these, the three features of super, all those things. We know all, the, all these things. And then Krishna in relationship with his internal potencies. And we know about the Lord in Maikuntha, and we know about the Lord in Manana. Everything is there. And when they see it, they can't grasp it. Yeah. So I, I, I personally, I am not at all distressed by the fact that academic scholars and all these people can't understand Bhagavatam. Yeah, I know why you can't understand Bhagavatam. Here's the process by which you can see Krishna directly in the pages as we can chant the Hare Krishna mantra and begin to, as we become pure and pure by chanting Krishna becomes more and more evident in the Hare Krishna mantra the same way in Bhagavatam and so that's what Prabhupada has brought 
brought the book with us, with him, and then he made an organization by which people can actually become proper recipients of that book. That's why the International Society for Krishna Consciousness is very, very important. Otherwise, these books will be another, you know, on the shelf in the library of some historical importance, but not really books of knowledge. Ancient, antique literature of very sophisticated fairy tales. That's what they will be to people. So this is how Prabhupada has created this society. Uh, and uh, by the way, uh, the next uh, verse, which is the first verse in the next chapter, Prabhupada continues the purport. Uh, uh, Prabhupada says a little bit more about personal realization. Just realize knowledge. When Prabhupada says realize knowledge, he means experienced knowledge. Jnana vijnana. These two things are there. Knowledge and real. Jnana is theoretical knowledge. Sometimes he calls it like that. Book knowledge. Vijnana, experienced knowledge. The word vijnana, where the people who use Sanskrit in a contemporary way, that's how they translate science. And therefore Prabhupada, the science of self-realization. And then we've been accused of expropriating science for, you know, our stuff, which is not science. But it is a systematic cultivation by which you have direct perception of the self by realization. That's what he gives. But yaksha avagamam dharmyam. This is the word that's used in the, uh, the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna used the word pratyaksha. Pratyaksha, you break it down. Prati, aksha. Aksha is the eyes, and prati means in front of the eyes. Direct experience. This is pratyaksha. It gives this experience. How do we have this experience? Well, it's a little rigorous. Pure in eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. And we know that's you know, not an easy thing to do, especially in Kali Yuga, uh, especially with internet, especially anyway. We all know about the problems. And therefore, you know, you have to keep yourself away from certain things and certain people. One has to associate with like-minded people. We've been raised in the atmosphere of material enjoyment. People think this is the advancement of society. We increase opportunities for sex life. This is what their idea of liberation is, actually. Deeper bondage. So there's a parting of the ways here. And you have to decide what you want. But it's accessible. And it's worth doing. One gets just the preliminary taste of Bhagavatam, preliminary taste of chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, you think, this is better than anything else. It's what I've always wanted, never been able to get. This is what I'm always looking for, and accepting these material substitutes. Anyway, Prabhupada continues uh, the next purport. 
uh, where, where the Aptar Sutta had said these things in the next verse, Shonaka, who is the spokesperson for the sages at Namishiranya Forest, stands up and thanks him and addresses him. He stood up to, I'm reading from the purport, to congratulate Sri Sutta Goswami when he expressed his desire to present Srimad Bhagavatam exactly as he had heard it from Shukadeva Goswami and also realized it personally. Not at least exactly as he heard it and realized it personally. What is that additional thing of personal realization? He said, Prabhupada says, personal realization does not mean that one should, out of vanity, attempt to show one's own learning by trying to surpass the previous acharya. Uh, it's not that I'm better than these guys. I know more than they do. Uh, that's the standard academic style. In fact, actually, you have to pretend to be surpassing them. Otherwise, if you just repeat, you know, you're losing. Uh, he, that is the, the person with personal realization, must have full confidence in the previous acharya, and at the same time he must realize the subject matter so nicely that he can present the matter for the particular circumstances in a suitable manner. So here it is, this is the idea of realized knowledge, that somehow or other you can communicate. There's a little relativity to the audience. Because of the audience is different, you'll be able to adjust to the different audiences and still maintain the original meaning. That's an art. It comes from personal realization. He must realize the subject matter so nicely that he can present the matter for the particular circumstances in a suitable manner. The original purpose of the text must be maintained. No obscure meaning should be screwed out of it. Yet one should be, yet it should be presented in an interesting manner for the understanding of the audience. Some other has to be able to connect and then transmit it. This is called realization. And then Prabhupada goes on to say, uh, so that's why they were expecting that he would be able to express it. And then he says, so the speaker and the audience were bona fide in this meeting where Bhagavatam was being recited for the second time. That should be the standard of recitation of Bhagavatam so that the real purpose can be served without difficulty. Unless the situation is created, Bhagavatam recitation for extraneous purposes is useless labor, both for the speaker and for the audience. So Prabhupada has given us Srimad Bhagavatam. We have gotten, gotten it from the proper person. Uh, and uh, we are learning to take what we have been given by practicing in the right way, receiving it. And, and for, for myself, this is particularly interesting because Another thing that Prabhupada did for us 
was make the uh, central temple of ISKCON the temple of the Vedic planetarium. And his instructions were in the middle of the main temple, there should be hanging from the ceiling a representation of the universe as described in the fifth canto of the Bhagavatam, the most difficult <laughs> part of the Bhagavatam to accept because it describes Krishna's relationship with his external potencies or those external potencies as they are seen in relationship with Krishna. Krishna is after all the soul of the universe and the universal form is another form of Krishna and that's what the Bhagavatam describes. In the second and third canto of the Bhagavatam there are five different descriptions of the universal form and the entire fifth canto uh, is announced from the beginning and is again repeated at the end a description of the universal form of the Lord. That's another form of Krishna. When we see this world around us without seeing it as Krishna's form, then we don't see it. We see the illusory material world. The real material world is that world which is seen Ishavashyam Sarvam as pervaded and owned and controlled by the Lord without the eyes of sense gratification. So, of course, when the Bhagavatam first came out, there was a kind of a crisis. I remember devotees flipping out when the fifth canto came out. I remember devotees flipping out because it described the moon very different. As first, further from the sun, and as a heavenly planet, and people had just been, you know, walking around on the moon. I, we, our astronauts had gone there. It did not the same. And Prabhupada did a very interesting thing. He told reporters in Los Angeles that we had not gone to the moon, and he gave them an argument. They didn't go to the moon because the moon is further than the sun. He said, he gave them a reason. And then he gave them the argument. Why is the moon, how do, how do we know this? Because Sunday comes before Monday. They couldn't argue with that. <laughs> And they were silent. I mean, uh, you can see the, hear the, listen to the conversation, the conversation. But that's what he did. He was bold enough to sit down with reporters in Los Angeles and tell them this. Of course, he gave different reasons uh, in different times. Uh, one, one is that uh, the whole thing was a. Studio hoax. That was later a movie called Capricorn One or something like that. It was a fake about a Mars trip. Anyway, it was a studio fake. He mentioned that one time. And the Bhagavatam, he said they could have gone to Rahu or Ketu instead. They could have gone up there, but it landed on those hellish planets up there with the invisible planets and uh, 
that Samwara. And the third was that which does the least uh, damage to your preschool conceptions that they may have gone to the moon but they couldn't enter into the atmosphere, which is a fact. They couldn't enter the atmosphere if they had gone and wore their spacesuits. So, whatever, you know, for different reasons. But he knew they didn't go. He said. Anyway, that's what Prabhupada is putting in the middle of uh, the temple of the Vedic Planetarium. Uh, and I, I, I realized, I'm in uh, charge of the Vedic Planetarium Cosmology Project, so it's like, there we go. Uh, you can't get around it. <laughs> there it is. Uh, uh, and... Uh, and I think uh, one thing is is that uh, if we have doubts about this, we should not suppress them. You know, to be brought up, and not to be just become fanatic for compensating, overcompensating for doubts, or uh, well, I accept this part and I don't accept that part, then you've got a problem. You know? Then you're the judge of Scripture. And you're the one with the problem to begin with. That's why you need it. Uh, yeah, once I say I accept this part, I don't accept that part. Now you're the authority. And of course, that people have been you know, doing that for a long time and all kinds of things. So yeah, either the whole thing or not at all. And Prabhupada said that. So there it is. We have it. Not only... Haven't we been to the moon? We haven't even been to Earth. <laughs> if you think about it. Um, so, anyway, but but that that uh, that that gross form of the Lord that is on display is very important because it is, as Prabhupada titles the first chapter of the second canto, the first step in God realization. And it's stated that that uh, a couple of times in the in the, in the fifth canto that by uh, by appreciating this form of the Lord, the Lord in relation to His gross potencies, one comes to this, the the platform of Vishnu Sattva and can then begin to appreciate the Lord in relationship with His internal potencies. What is the first step of God realization? And as a matter of fact, people have some realization like that. If uh, maybe you have had this experience sometimes talking to people about uh, some kind of spiritual experience or intuition they have. They have also a spiritual experience. And it'll be a sunset or being out in the ocean in a boat and seeing the back. You know, people have, have had experience with material nature sometimes has been so awe-inspiring and amazing. Because if you just look at the material world, it's mind-boggling. And, and it's a cause of reverence. Even material science feels the sense of reverence and then they have to deal with that. Because, But it's amazing. And it's so amazing that you start thinking about God. Oh, no, 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 we don't go there. We don't go to the God place. You know, that's a cop-out. <laughs> you 
they say, but it's like amazing. And what drives many material science is a sense of awe and wonder which has no object. But it's there. People should be allowed to, you know, think a little more about that sense of awe and reverence that you get just from looking at the material world. And so, it's a good place to start, actually. That people should get used to thinking about this. And Prabhupada has said one place, people, people like this pantheistic vision that the world is pervaded by God. You know, that God is everywhere. They have that intuition. They see it. Romantic poets were full of it. To see heaven in a flower. What's there? And all that is in Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam doesn't leave anything out. Sometimes you wish it had, but it doesn't. (laughs) It's all there. And you can't say, I accept this here, the most esoteric. Yeah, I accept Krishna and Vrindavan. That I believe, but all this other stuff, I don't, we now know better, you know. You, it's a package deal. <laughs> Except it all. So therefore we should learn how to see Krishna in the pages of Bhagavatam, and then we can see Krishna everywhere. We look here, there, everywhere. Okay? I'll stop now. Any questions or comments? Uh, thank you for your wonderful class, Prabhu. I, I have a doubt, not about the uh, Vedic cosmology, but my doubt is that is reading as powerful as hearing. And the reason for my doubt is Bhagavatam 4, 2025, Prithu is saying, when the transcendental vibration from the mouths of great devotees carries the aroma of the saffron dust of your lotus feet, the forgetful living entity gradually remembers his eternal relationship with you. So he's, he's hearing the, the transcendental vibration from the mouths mm. are going into the ears and carrying the saffron dust particles. So my doubt, do the pages carry those saffron dust particles? By the mercy of the spiritual master, yes. I, I mean, but uh, it is better that we study and hear Bhagavatam in association of devotees. It's a social activity. Uh, we do know that, uh, uh, I, I, at least it's my faith, that just somehow possible just by reading Bhagavatam one can make a great deal of spiritual advancement without ever encountering a devotee in the flesh. I think that's possible. But generally as a rule uh, one needs to do this as a social activity through hear and chant and do the other things. And Bhagavatam all the well tells us about how the association of devotees is 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 uh, is important. So, uh, you know, in the olden days, previous yugas, no, no problem, because everybody had memories, and nobody had to write anything down. Uh, 
Even Plato complained about writing. He said, because everybody's taking to writing now, people's memories are being ruined. Now, we think writing is a sign of advanced civilization. Pre-literate civilizations are obviously primitive. The Vedic civilization, you know, Satya Yuga, nobody had writing meeting down because they had memories. Now it's gone, I'm shocked. You know. So it's, it's kind of a crutch for us. But Prabhupada realized, you know, by the, the idea of Bhakti to use everything in the service of Krishna, that this print medium, which I, I think the earliest examples of writing we can find are like inventory for warehouse goods, was <laughs> something that only businessmen used. Really intelligent people didn't bother with it. And even, for example, Plato, his dialogues that are like, you know, pinnacle of Western civilization, that was stuff for the public. The real stuff, he never wrote down. Nobody knows what his actual teachings were. Because he only wrote down these dialogues for, for stupider people, not this so we don't even know anyway so but we anyway to answer your question that that it can be done I, I, I think uh, at least since war Chaitanya's time <laughs> that, that 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 potency can be there writing but it should lead us to association of devotees and words spoken by sound vibration. Hmm. Who's, somebody else call on, yeah, somebody else can call on people for me, okay? Go ahead. Uh, in this particular Kaliyuga, the Lord appeared as Lord Krishna and also as Srila Vyasadeva for writing. So he himself, the Lord himself, manifests for writing. So the potency is there. Mm -hmm. And also what Krishna says, uh, when you see me everywhere, you never lost. When you see me everything. So even in writing, the Lord is present. And uh, he is absolute. Mm -hmm. It's a little comment. Okay, thank you. It says that uh, Vyasadeva dictated, actually, as a Ganapati wrote. Still a kind of lower level activity. <laughs> <laughs> so it's mentioned here that one cannot be pure in mind unless one is pure in action, and then one can be pure in action when one is pure in eating, sleeping, eating. But in this Kaliuga, eating, we have, we take food products. I know we are often Krishna, but we are taking milk from exploited cows. And all the occupation that one does is not pure because it is connected in some in some and Krishna says every endeavor is covered by some kind of form. So how can this we can no actually Well as far as our actions, Prabhupada says we have to offer, you know, act according follow the regular principles of Krishna consciousness and offer the results of our activities. If our occupational duty is imperfect, Prabhupada mentioned that uh, sometimes a businessman has to conceal his profit. I imagine that's from the government. 
<laughs> but uh, otherwise you can't live. You know, there are states that if you've actually paid all your taxes, you die. Uh, and so therefore everybody cheats. Um, that's bad government, but, but uh, uh, so that everything is imperfect in this world. So we do the best we can under the circumstances. But what do you? But, but basically, Prabhupada means that one should strictly follow the four regular principles of Krishna consciousness. One should cultivate the holy name while trying to give up offenses. That's the way we we, we, we should live. I mean, that really kind of uh, covers everything. And then we will become fit uh, uh, for. Uh, for we're doing these things. And to me it's just very important to realize that these principles are not just principles of morality, but principles of knowledge, of cognition. We shouldn't have separated these things into different departments. That's the mistake people make. And that's why spiritual knowledge is not considered knowledge. It's a kind of faith. But if you, you that's a whole other lecture, but if you look at science and see how much science is faith-based, it's a dirty secret, but it really is. It has rules to begin with. Who sets rules? Authorities. Whoa, uh, why do you follow this authority? It's faith. So, what do you mean by... Uh we haven't even been to the earth yet if you think about it. <laughs> well, the earth at least you know, where's Mount Meru? <laughs> we should be able to look see it. I believe I'm told that Prabhupada uh, mentioned that while he was flying in an airplane over the Alps he saw Mount Meru. Yeah, we haven't been there. That's what I mean. <laughs> Who are you gonna? Yeah. He's calling on people. You gotta. There's a guy. Who, <laughs> I can speak proud. <laughs> I, I see. I know you're there. He knows you're there. Okay. Just, you can notice. Just a quick comment. The prophet said the holy name represents letters. Also I'm sorry. Prophet said. Prophet said the holy name represented in letters is also Krishna. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Malati has her hand in the back too. Anyway. He's gradually making his way forward. Thank you very much. Just um, wanted to add something about the going to the moon because at the time I was Prabhupada's cook, this was in London, um, prior to the opening of a very place. I arrived in the morning. He goes, oh, I'll let come in. They, they say they're going to the moon. Let's watch the fun. Now, at that time, at that time, we, he was in a rented apartment on Baker Street, and it came furnished. So there was an old black and white TV that we you know, pushed the furniture out of the way. The TV was there, so it had been uncovered for the occasion. So the whole thing was shown, and he just, in a very matter-of-fact way, said they, they did not 
the moon. They did not. They did not land on the moon. That's what he said. So then Purushottam, who was his servant at the time, became stirred. And then Prabhupada said, so turn off the idiot box. It has made, it has made idiots of us. <laughs> Thank you. I just don't understand or can't figure out how it's true. I accept that it's true. I don't know how it's true. Uh, what I refer to in my own mind is putting it in brackets. You know, this I have to find out more about later. Because uh, it's, it's a mistake. If you have doubts, it's a mistake to think, oh, oh, I have this doubt that's really wrong. That means I must be a demon. And so I pretend I don't have them. And then I become a fanatic to overcompensate for my... You have to acknowledge them. Uh, and, and, you know, Papa says in the Bhagavatam purport that doubts are like demons in Krishna Mahus, Madhusudana will kill the Madhu demon. But it doesn't mean that one who has doubts is a demon. <laughs> oh, that was an early interpretation we were subjected to sometimes. But the doubts are, the doubts are demons. Krishna can you have confidence that they'll be removed. And, you know, most of the things I put in rank, so many of those things are satisfied. It's a progressive development. So my faith has only increased. Even if as I realize more and more just exactly how far out the Bhagavatam is. But every part of this material world is just as amazing, actually. You couldn't make it up. <laughs> Okay. Perfect. <laughs> so, uh, what's it up? So, what's it up to me about this uh, translation? Is it says, "I shall make, or I shall try to make you hear the very same thing, uh, and then I shall recite it for the second time." So, it sounds like the uh, knowledge is transmitted in the hearing and not in the recitation. So my question is, is it possible for two pure uh, bona fide listeners to listen from a bona fide pure speaker and hear two different things? Well, their understandings may be different. If you read the commentaries, 
of our acharyas, one will read one thing, and, and another will read something else. Uh, and, and the general principle is if two bona fide authorities have two different readings of something or understandings, they're both right. And your job should be, if necessary, if they seem to be in conflict. Sometimes, most of the time, they don't even seem to be in conflict. They're just two different ways of understanding uh, uh, something. Uh, but sometimes they seem to be in conflict. There has to be some, some way that you reconcile them. So we're individuals, and people will see, and that's why so many commentators, they usually add more, because the, the, their realization is, is, is uh, valuable, what they have to say. And when Prabhupada translated his purports, he had a Gaudiamant edition of the Bhagavatam, which had commentators by five or six, depending on the chapters, different different acharyas, and he would pick some from here, pick some from there, add his own thing. Uh, So that's part of the richness of it. Uh, uh, Yeah, because uh, most great literature is capable of quite a few understandings of, uh, uh, and uh, valid ways of seeing it. And, uh, and uh, so you can, you, you know, you can get Goethe's Faust and you'll see so many people have written about it or Shakespeare's plays and they all have something, you know, that's interesting to say about it because it's rich. There's all these these implications that uh, that are there, uh, and Bhagavatam even more so. Yeah. All right, so, um, can you give a practical example or uh, practical way to understand how morality has to do with learning? Like you mentioned, how the scientists usually they're not. Pure eating, sleeping, mating, and then yet they, they learn so much. Yeah, but they, they can only go so far. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, they're diligent. Uh, they work hard. They work very, very hard. Uh, uh, and uh, so, but their discoveries are all on a certain level. The, the, they're trying to to understand material nature, which of which they so far failed, and trying to kind of not let you know they failed, but to try to control it, manipulate it, that they to some extent learned how to do. That turns out to be a lot of times disastrous. Uh, you know, they've given us the atomic bomb, uh, and uh, uh, there's estimates that. Uh, uh, the last estimate that 40% of all diseases are iatrogenetic. You know the word iatrogenetic? Iatros is the Greek word for physician. It means caused by medical treatment, caused by doctors. Uh, so that's blowback. Uh, or just, just the fact that, that for example, uh, uh, Fleming notices this bread mold and, and, and uh, kills, seems to kill bacteria. 
So hey, we've got penicillin. You know, wow, penicillin, we've conquered disease. My mother was an army nurse during World War II, and she described to me uh, when penicillin first showed up at the hospital, there had been a, a, a pilot, an Army Air pilot, there was no Air Force then, it was all the Army Air Corps, a uh, young, dashing pilot, who came in with pneumonia, and they all knew that within two days he was going to die. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, the one vial of penicillin came. And my, my mother said it, it was like precious, like gold. And they said, okay, we'll try out this penicillin, we'll use it on this airman. And the guy was, the next day he was going to be dead, and the next day he was sitting up laughing, and people were in tears. So you can understand it, you know, wow, look what you know. But now what's happening with antibiotics, you know, all over the place, misused, and now we've got multiple drug-resistant strains of d disease and found it's not so easy to conquer material nature, you know. <laughs> so that's what people want to do with science, and they think they can conquer it, but it, it turns out to be, uh, you know, you have to kind of live mainly more in cooperation <laughs> than, than with conquest. Uh, and when they start to be started the idea of the co of, of cooperation and we're part of nature and embedded into it, we have to get along with all the rest of it, you may find out people become more and more receptive to Krishna consciousness too. Because human beings are all engaged in a God project. I want to be God, that's why we're here. I've got my little God project. I am the Lord of all I survey. Sometimes I, you know, survey very little in order to maintain that. As Prophet said, you want to be the master, you get a dog. So I am the Lord, and so this is our God. Let me control material nature. This is our God project. Kick him out. If you, because if you want to control material nature, somebody else has got their hands on the, oh, you can't do it. So there's nobody there. It's just, a, you know, we can grab it. We can hijack it ourselves and, and do what we want. That's the project. Good luck <laughs> with that. Because you see what's happening. So the idea that you have start to have a humble science would be a real revolution. And of course, some people are coming to that conclusion because we see what our control has gotten us, huh? Yeah. One thing that we shouldn't forget also in this world about scientists is that there are very, very few, if any, pure scientists anymore. Because most scientists, like everybody else, they have to make a living. And most of the time, they're bought by corporations and they have to deliver a certain and the whole research is, 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 is directed in a certain way to, uh, that, allows, that does not allow them to really understand uh, the, even the, the basic facts of what they're studying. Uh, good point. Or at least not communicate it clearly or honestly. That's a good point. 
what gets noticed, what gets researched, what doesn't get researched, all depends upon whether you can turn a profit. Huh? Yeah. I mean, in the 60s, a book came out by, by Thomas Kuhn uh, called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions, who was uh, the first foray into the so looking at science as a human social enterprise. And what it showed was the degree of, of faith that's behind it. Uh, uh, and that uh, what you notice and what you don't notice and what you investigate and what you don't investigate is, is not really and that, that people, he talked about paradigm shifts. That really upset people big time, but they've come to it, adjust to it. But except for scientists. They, they're the last to, to scientifically look at their own selves as a, what they're doing. But that's, that's a fact. What's, what, what's researched, what's not researched, what's looked at, what's not looked at, all depends upon uh, what's there for you to exploit and make money out of? Uh, what, what time we, 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 have, we have one more question. Okay. Okay. Hi, Krishna. Thank you for My question is are you, we're talking about hearing being uh, similar to reading. So, say hearing. The nine processes of devotional service, Shavana, would that include reading? Yeah. Reading. When you read, uh, you hear it in your head. It used to be, uh, actually, uh, St. Augustine actually remarks about his teacher, who was St. Ambrose, that he had this amazing ability to read a book without speaking the words. That was like the fourth century, that people up until that time, nobody, nobody read silently. They all read out loud. And he was that Ambrose had this remarkability to read a book without saying it. So then, even then, there was a, that, that late. It was it was unusual for for he noticed it. It was his remarkable ability. Okay. Thank you very much.